Hey everyone, this is Coaches on the Beach podcast. I'm Michael Hobson, head beach coach at ULM, and I'm here with co-host Colin Wilson, beach coach at Southeastern Louisiana University, and this is episode one of our brand new podcast. What's up, Michael? It's uh, exciting to be starting this up with you. Uh, took us a couple weeks, took us a couple minutes to even get this thing rolling, but uh, I guess the main question that uh, probably people would wonder is why on earth we would start a podcast right now? That is a very good question. Um, My gut reaction is our families were tired of listening to us talk about beach volleyball. So they said, go make a friend and uh, do it in a more public forum. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the the greatest things about podcasts is it can extend the range of people that are listening if they're willing to listen. And um, I think one of the biggest things with our sport right now with beach volleyball is expanding exposure getting getting the exposure out there for the game and um i think hearing about it from a different point of view other than the pros there there are a couple really really good podcasts out there for beach volleyball and i think getting to hear it from a point of view of a coach's standpoint in the ncaa game i think that could be a new found look for kids that are looking to get into beach volleyball other coaches um but yeah what about you what are you thinking yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time as coaches, right? You know, whether you sit with Beth Van Fleet over at Georgia State or, or David Fisher over at UNC Wilmington, right? The topic will always kind of work its way around to how do we grow the game? How do we how do we make it bigger? And um, one of the things that's missing right now is a, a little bit of content for college beach volleyball, right? You got, I think Rob on the Mic has a podcast. Um, obviously, you've got the Sandcast with a couple of guys, Triborn, Travis Mawerder on the AVP tour. They're talking a lot of pro international volley. You've got uh, Coach Your Brains Out with uh, John Mayer and a couple other guys. You know, sometimes Billy Allen's on there. And they dive into college every once in a while because but it is a coaching podcast. Um, There's not a lot of college beach talk going on. And that's the thing that I like to talk about the most. So, um, you know, getting on with you and kind of just diving into where our game's at and where the sport's at from a college level. Um, No different than college basketball versus NBA. Yeah, I I think you provide some really good points of, education in there as well and I mean every time we talk together me and you I learn something new about the game and um it it's the same thing with other associates that you you mentioned um I think it's going to be a really good thing because we we have the potential of bringing on some very bright minds uh to talk about the game too and get get some more knowledge out there so I'm, I'm liking where this is headed um but like you said it took us a while to get this one up we'll, we'll see what happens in the future but I think once we get a well-oiled machine, we, we can get some new education out there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, whether it be obviously just you and I talking or if some of our friends we can convince to, uh, to hop on, you know, they might, might throw us a bone and, and join us every once in a while to talk about their view on it. Right. Obviously we're in the middle of summer, which is, or I guess we're at the start of summer. You know, the, uh, the recruiting season is, is well underway. June 15th is, is on its way collegiately. Um, and just even things that like are happening in the sport that are going to affect things, right? Cause everything's so small, right? The community is so small. Uh, obviously we coach at two universities in the same state, but there's no reason like my conference has a team from California in it, right? Your conference is, is kind of mostly in the Southeast. Um, but there's, everybody kind of knows each other and there's so much movement and everybody played with everybody's brother is always the way that I kind of say it. Like, 
there's a shot that if I know somebody, they they know somebody that played with you or that knows somebody that played with Beth or something along those lines. So it's a small world and just kind of spread those ideas around and uh, continue building it up. Yeah, and for sure. And I'm newer to the beach uh, coaching community. Um, and I come from the indoor side and I, Colin, I know you have a background in indoor too. And one of the greatest things I've found with the beach coaching community is they are all so supportive. And that is something that I really want to highlight, especially in these podcasts is being able to celebrate other programs that are around the country, being able to celebrate different successes. Um, Georgia state last year, getting a couple wins at the end of the year, this year, they, they made another run at the championship. Those that's a program that I really look up to, and I, I plan on uh, seeing if Beth can come on here and you know, d- tell us a thing or two about how she's ramped up her success. Um, but same thing with you at Southeastern is you're you're in a building program and you're going to have some really good successes. Our program here at ULM, we just had a really good season. Um, and I, I think we're going to continue to ramp up, but I just don't want to talk about our two programs. I want to talk about everything that's going on in the country and get the word out about other programs and let, let everyone see all the opportunities around the country. Yeah, for sure. I always say the best part about my job is every weekend I, I travel around the country to go to work and I get to just hang out with my friends while I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we'll talk about where we're headed a little bit later, but like, you know, even this weekend, I'm going to go hang out with. Jeff Lamb from Tampa and Todd Rogers from Cal Poly and Colin Wilson from Southeastern Louisiana. Those three schools are not in the same time zone, let alone uh, same area. So it's, it's a pretty great experience and a pretty great job. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned in, in your point was the June 15th date is fastly approaching. And I would love to put out some recruiting information out there to kids that are trying to get recruited um, let people know that June 15th is the first time we're allowed to contact you uh, if you're coming into your junior year. I mean, that, that isn't a rule that has been in place for more than, I think, three to five years now. And so it is newer, and that education always doesn't get out there. And it'd be great to uh, introduce new uh, recruits or potential recruits to some of the recruiting rules that we go through, not only at the Division One level, but D2, D3, JUCO, all the way down and uh, see what what different styles can match up and let them know that recruiting isn't always standard for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I think that the important part, if, uh, if any youngins or any sophomores or freshmen are listening, um, like Michael said, June 15th is the first time that you can get in contact with somebody not the last time so not everything happens on june 15th in fact i'd say for a majority of athletes and a majority of programs things happen long after june 15th even into you know december or january of the following year or into your senior year of high school it is a long it's a recruiting process not a recruiting day Um, so just touching on that that'll We'll save a lot of the, the nitty gritty for, for future stuff. Um, kind of the idea for the podcast and, and what we want to do, like Michael's talked about a couple of times, bringing in other coaches or volleyball people, whether it be, you know, players who have gone through the, the college process or um, maybe some people who never had the opportunity. You know, guys, beach volleyball is not a particularly common thing at the collegiate level or even at the high school level. So 
um, seeing how people get into it uh, later in their life. Uh, I think the goal is to do an episode a week. Uh, obviously, that's that's a great goal, and we're going to continue to try to maintain that. But uh, forgive us if every once in a while things go a little awry. Stuff happens. For sure, and we get busy schedules, um, but this is something that we, we do want to kind of put out there weekly and uh, try to get some some of the new stuff that's going on because with our game, it, it's rapidly evolving right now. And with week-to-week basis, there, there are things happening day-to-day in our game, and usually they're pretty great things that are going on. So um, looking at different things and being able to get that information out to people and being able to celebrate the game a little bit more is a huge goal of mine. Yeah, <clears throat> and kind of along those lines, a lot of people would – um, you know, I've even ran into it in my coaching career is like the idea of I want to keep my stuff a secret um, comes up so often, right? Like, oh, I don't want them to steal my drill or I don't want them to steal my thing. Um, and so kind of the the goals of coaching, right? The reason Michael and I got into this profession in the first place, I'll tell you every time, it's not for the money. Uh, we did not, we are not going to get rich, you know, maybe the podcast will blow up and that'll be, you know, that'll, that'll be a nice little That would be really nice. Yeah, but you know, beyond that, it's like we didn't do this because it pays buco bucks. Um, we did it for the relationships that we got to make with with our players and with the other coaches in our sport. Um, you know, the things that we always talk about it, and you talk about it on the recruiting process all the time. But like, you never remember the score. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't tell you the single score of a single set from this past season. I mean, I can guess, I'm sure one of them was 21, 19. I'm sure one of them was 21, 18, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't pin things down to a moment. You might remember a play, uh, but I guarantee you'll remember the, the team dinner where somebody didn't know what, you know, chicken cordon blue was, or you'll remember the bus ride where you played uh, heads up for two and a half hours or the, um, my team loves the, the get on the bus game. Do you know that one where it's no. like, there's like a rule, so it's like if the rule is um, only things that start with the same letters your first name can get on the bus. So for me, like I can get on the bus with a cat, right? And Got you can it. get on the bus with a microphone, but I can't get on the bus with a dog. So so it's, it's more verbiage than it is actually getting onto the bus. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a mind game, right? You're supposed to like figure out the rule and see if you can get on the bus with the stuff. But anyway, like those are the things that that I'll remember every time. I coached the boys' high school team. Coached at four different college programs now. Um, been a part of another one. So like, I don't remember many scores. Uh, yeah. You know, you remember maybe the win. You, I remember beating Southern Cal when mm-hmm. I was at South Carolina. Like, no duh, that one's gonna stick out. But I don't remember individual parts of that game. <laughs> you know, other than the photos. So that's yeah. kind of why I got into coaching, or why I got into coaching. And, yeah, I'm right there with you, and I think everything you're talking about hits the nail right on the head, uh, because like even though we did have a really good year this year at ULM, the highlight of the year probably for me was how close our team got to each other, and then going out to, when we went to UAB and played in that tournament, going to uh, one of our players' houses and having a dinner, and then going to top golf. And being able to play top golf and watching all these beach athletes try to hit a golf ball and swing and miss so many times. And that was so joyous. And 
being able to watch them connect on that level and have a lot of fun with it and just be in each other's presence because those are lasting relationships. And that is exactly what we're getting from coaching is we're trying to create friends through other coaches, being able to really sit down and create relationships with our student athletes that are at our university. And I mean, we were hired to do a job. Part of that job is wins and losses. But I think a bigger part of that job is to be a mentor and be able to help and grow with our student athletes, learn from them. They learn from us, but understand what the values are for both of us and how do they mix? How do they differ? Because not everyone out there you're going to find is going to have the same values or the same thought process. And that's really healthy. And so that's part of the, the coaching podcast. And that's part of my goal as a coach is to learn other people's perspectives. And I'm hoping part of this podcast brings that out is finding other perspectives that maybe I don't necessarily agree with, or maybe I really agree with, but I find some little traits in there that I could change on my own opinion. Um, but I think the, those relationships that you're talking about where you grow them outside of the actual play or the actual game, that is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's the most fun part about our job, I think, is exploring new ideas. I mean, I remember um, coaching at uh, coaching for our U.S. national team out in California, and every day I would go to a different team's practice. So, you know, Mondays was maybe with uh, – with Emily Stockman and Kelly Larson, now Kelly Kalinsky, and then Tuesdays with uh, Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays, and then Wednesdays with Jay Gibb and Taylor Crabb. And, like, you're going to all these different practices, right? And they all have a different coach. And some of my favorite memories are like, oh, what would you guys do yesterday at, at Evie's practice? Or what would you do yesterday at Scott's practice? You know, and we kind of talk about it, and they go, oh, that sounds so silly. Why would you do it that way? And every time I want to look at them and be like, guys, you're both coaching – a top 12 team in the world. So I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that you're doing something right. There has to be, there has to be something in there. And, uh, you know, one of my best friends in the game is, uh, is Gary Hodge, uh, the coach at, at San Jose state for beach. Um, and you know, him and I were talking the other day and he was talking, we were talking about, uh, what do you go over in the box? Like when you're switching sides, when you're sitting in timeouts and he wanted to do a little study of like, what do people say? And so him and I were talking and um, I said, you know, I always open with, how do you feel right now? Right. And he noticed, he's like, that's something that I don't think I could ask my team. You know what I mean? Like, that's not something I'm good at, but in the same way that maybe I'm not like, maybe I'm not going to talk about something crazy specific technically, right. Maybe I'm not going to talk about how your elbow bends on your platform, you know, in the middle of a match. Um, but finding different strengths and finding different tools that we can all implement into our coaching style or recruiting and, and help, you know, people find the right home. I think we see with the transfer portal, like, Oh, that's not the right fit for me. Well, yeah, that's cause not everywhere's the right fit for everybody. Right. And we gotta, I think the best remedy to the transfer portal is doing a better job before anybody gets to college. Right. Making sure that, as a player, you're finding you're doing the, the homework to figure out, okay, is this actually the place that I want to go? Is this the coach that I want to play for? Is this the school I want to go to? And coaches doing a better job of being like, are these players that I feel like I can help? Right. Or do we have a totally different, um, you know, kind of style? 
Do you, I don't know, Michael, do you guys ever do the disc assessment or any of those personality type? We, we do something similar. We, we don't actually break it down to what the disc or like the color segment of the personality. Um, what I, I preach a lot is finding your personality. And uh, we, we use it in our leadership structure. We use it everywhere. And that is something that I've found super valuable in my coaching career. Um, I got it from a couple of my mentors. But being able to figure out who you are personally first. So you can act like yourself and then being able to explore what other people um, feel and value and all that. Um, that is a huge thing because like you said, like you could be top coaching a top 12 team in the country and you could look at the other team that's at 11 and be like, oh, why are they coaching it like that? Well, obviously they're doing it something right. Everyone yeah. has made it to this spot where they're doing something right in life. So they're doing they're doing things that are right, but it might not be to your liking because you don't know yourself yet. And so I, I preach a lot about finding your own personality, and that's something in my coaching career that I've had to do a lot of soul searching the past five years to figure out what I'm actually looking at. And I think that 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 will be a really good thing about being able to use this podcast to kind of speak not only what I value and what I see, but hear what other people value and see like with beach volleyball, that, that side switch, it can be between, I'm, I'm a big numbers guy and that's how I got my start in the volleyball. So I actually timed side switches on, um, film and watch how long it took a team to walk side to side. And if you cross right under the net, it can be as little as two seconds. If you cross around the pole, it can be up to about 10 to 15 before the ref starts getting in your ear about it. And so using those side switches, but being able to coach only during those side switches, which those rules might change soon. But what do you say in those 15 seconds that can account for seven points? That, that is a big deal. So a lot of the work that we do is preparatory to the game and being able to use cue uh, words to get those things out. And that is all about not reinventing the wheel but hearing what other people do and understanding, oh, that would definitely work for me. Like, like you're doing with your coaching friends and being able to say, yeah, I ask about feelings. He's not that personal. He, he doesn't want to know about feelings. He wants to know about the technique, the numbers of the game. And I think that's where I connect the most is I've tried to switch from the numbers side of the things and go more into how are we feeling? What, what is the interpersonal relationship with yourself at the time? And so during that exchange, I really value how other people are talking, not only about what's going on, but about themselves, because that gives me a better insight of where's your mind. And I think hearing more coaching perspectives, more views, uh, that is my goal of coaching is to be the best coach for every individual athlete. I, I take a John Wooden approach with it, and I think a lot more people John Wooden's kind of dying out. Not as many people have heard about him uh, lately, but I think him saying there there's a certain standard I hold every single person to, but I will never hold anybody to the same standard as someone else. I think that that's a huge thing because we all have our own personalities. We have our own values and that will connect with each athlete that will connect with each coach a lot better. But you got, you got to start with figuring out who you are first, really. Yeah, totally. And I, I want to preface any um, 
any ideas or, or big out there uh, things that we say, um, there are no new ideas. Don't ever forget that. All right, everybody's just redoing Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet, um, and that goes for that goes for at least me and coaching. Like, I might add my own spin to things, but the odds are. Um, you know, I've taken, uh, whatever my coaching ideas are either from Gary Hodge over at San Jose or, um, Maritz and RJ at Santa or South Carolina, or uh, I talked to Steve Gretowski down at FAU a lot. Right. And I'm pretty much just stealing from those guys almost exclusively, or, um, you know, Michael and I's favorite, the, the WWBD, what would Beth do? Yep. Uh, you know, yep. those are my, uh, it's, you know, I might add my own spin. I'm going to do it my own way, but. All in all, if I'm saying it, it's probably not the first time it's been said in the history of the earth. So I am right there on the same boat. I meant my my big thing for our team this year being a real first time coach for these guys um, this season uh, was our leadership academy that we got a full year to go through. And everyone always asks me, how did you come up with this? How did you come up with this? Well, I got it from Tony Greystone over at Texas Tech. It was another idea that I saw used at Penn State by Mark Pavlik. And it was this idea from this other coach. And I just kind of combined it into one. And oh, yeah, I, I thought of this original idea, but I'm sure it was used somewhere. And I just think it's original. But everything that I use as well is usually a ripoff with my own little spin on it. Um, and then, like, my whole beach coaching career, it started with Beth being so nice. Uh, when I reached out to her in my first week here and I just had a phone call and I was like, Beth, I have no clue what I'm doing. What do you even talk about? And she was willing to really help me through some of the verbiage and uh, some of the things that she's teaching over there and get my, my career in the beach game started. And that was a real turning point to me of, yeah, this is where I belong because the coaches were so helpful. And that's what I feel this podcast could tur- could turn into it could be just a group of coaches where maybe only coaches are listening to it but we're we're getting some value from it and that's that's the part of the game that is so special yeah and, you know we'll kind of talk about it uh in the upcoming episodes i think kind of the plan is to do a little more i guess hardcore background on on michael and i but um that idea of you know, how open and welcoming, right? Michael, new beach coach over at Monroe. You show up last January, January 22? February, February. February. Sorry. A week and a half before the season. Yeah, so he had like 11 days to prep a team for, for an NCAA beach season, which is, by the way, the shortest in NCAA at 12 weeks. Um, you play 32 matches in 12 weeks and then your season's over, and then you go right back to prepping. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, that openness is the same reason that I got into the game, like, I gave a call to a guy named Marcio Sicoli, who's the coach over at Pepperdine University. And he gave me a call back. He said, hey, Colin, I don't have a job for you, but you might want to call this this coach. Um, they need somebody. And that's how I got in. And there's, there was no reason that Marcio had to help me out. There was no reason that Beth had to help Michael out, except for their goal of, of helping people and growing the game. Because once again, they didn't have a lot monetarily to gain from – helping us, <laughs> helping us get better or not helping us get better. Um, and I think that's what beach volleyball, especially college beach volleyball, kind of like draws in those people that, that want to just do good things for the sake of doing good things. You know, um, I think it's, it's either Tim Ferriss or Adam Grant always talks about, there's like the three types of people, right? There's the givers, there's the takers, and there's the traders. Um, and I think beach volleyball for the most part is <laughs> full of a lot of givers, people that just want to give everything out 
and uh, I think, and it's Adam Grant now. That I'm thinking about, it, and he always talks about like, yeah, the givers always, or the givers always get the most out, right? They're always like, they're the ones that are most likely to be successful. They're also the most likely to burn out, which sounds like a beach volleyball coach if I've ever met one. But yeah, uh, at the end, if they can push through and they can make it, right, they're the most likely to to come out on top, and and that's kind of showing. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about our backgrounds in the coming couple episodes. For sure. Um, that's what we want to keep doing. We'll talk a little bit of current events, like things that are going on in our sport. And then um, the the little joke is, I think it's a lot of comedians that start podcasts. And they always talk about upcoming tour dates, right? Buy, yeah, buy tickets yeah. for November. Um, well, Michael and I have some upcoming tour dates. So we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll touch on some current events towards the end. And then we'll uh, we'll touch on some upcoming tour dates and then let you get on with your week but uh i think that's a perfect segue into we we talked about how college beach volleyball is changing in big ways every day and uh, i think one of the biggest changes just happened this past couple weeks uh with stein signing up with texas beach volleyball a brand new program and i know you know stein so i'll let you talk on it first and yeah, uh, so Steino, right? Stein Metzger, the the head beach coach, formerly of UCLA, um, won a couple of natties, 2018-2019. Um, I had the opportunity to coach uh, club for him in uh, 2019 to 2020, until the COVID pandemic kind of shut the world down. For those of you that don't remember, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's it's exciting for our sport in the regards that. All right, Texas, so for those that don't know, Texas just started a beach program this year. So 2023 was their first official season. Um, they used all their indoor players. They used all their indoor staff. And there's kind of this, like, tipping point in our sport right now where <clears throat> a program can either decide to, like, go all in and fund it with full-time staff members and scholarships and a travel budget, right? Or they can run it as, like, um, more of like a Title IX kind of carrier, right? Something that, that holds on to the Title IX uh, eligibility piece that most universities are striving for. And let's be honest, uh, when, when you say fully fund a beach program, it, it's it's nothing compared to a, a basketball or a football or even an indoor volleyball. We're, we're talking fully funded at a Division One level. That's six scholarships, two coaches, maybe three now that the rules are changing. So like we're we're talking minimal funding for a program and when we when we see what Texas just did they went fully involved in this. Yeah, yeah, I mean you'll you'll hear from tennis and golf folks like oh fully funding costs, you know, 150 grand, which obviously to me sounds like a ton, but when you consider that you're paying like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant defensive coordinator 150 grand all of a sudden the idea of like we can start an entire sport for that amount of money um, is obviously slightly different. And, you know, that's me generalizing numbers and stuff. But, yeah. you know, Texas had that opportunity as a big school with a big football program to kind of go dip their toe in the water, see if they want to do it. And um, luckily they decided to just like cannonball straight in. And they went out there and they signed, you know, one of the best coaches in the country uh, in Stein Metzger. And, you know, I'm sure there are details that, that haven't come out yet, right? We don't know exactly what Stein's salary is going to be or anything like that, but um, he's an alumni of UCLA, right? His family is in LA. Like, I imagine it had to be a pretty sweet deal 
in order to get him to move to Austin. And that's good for the sport because now UCLA is going to hire somebody, right? And there's going to be movement in the coaching world. And movement's not always great, right? Sometimes you want people to stick with where they are and what they're doing. But um, I think this is a, a thing. You know, we talked about not being in it for the money. There are a lot of beach coaches out there, especially at the college level, that are making not enough to survive. You know, I've worked, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, this is my fourth university I've coached at. Um, I volunteered at a couple of them. And I pretty much carried a second job at everything. So like, we're not, it's not even like, oh, you're making, um, you're not even making like defensive coordinator money, right? You're making, you're making part-time wage money. You're making, you know, job I got in high school money. I actually made more my freshman year of college than I did my, my first two years coaching college beach volleyball. Um, That's so, funny. You know, it's, it's love of the game, but like, Stein going to Texas, I think, is a huge move for our sport. It's also a huge move for budgets in our sport, right? Yeah. The opportunity to go travel and spend more and and participate in the sport as a whole. Yeah, I think I think there's two big things that I think about with this move is number one, since NCAA has ran championships for beach volleyball, I mean, you have two programs at the top of the list every single year. It's UCLA, it's USC. They they've won every single national championship. No one can dispute it. And with that, now one of those coaches is going to another program where I, I suspect he's going to have a good amount of support behind him. And Texas could be on the come up really, really fast. And that presents another opportunity because TCU is another great program. And they've really built something these past couple of years. And they're at the top of the list. I mean, they were number one in the nation for how long this year? And like most of the year, which is like nine weeks, but you know, most of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but like with that, they're, well, I meant Texas is currently on the way out of the Big 12, but it, it presents new opportunities, not only with where, where is the national championship going to go now uh, between UCLA, USC? Well, now you got Texas, you got Florida State who's competed you have tcu i mean you you have some smaller programs that don't get heard on the national college basketball scale or the national football scale like a georgia state like a maybe an lmu even hawaii possible i mean hawaii is a well-known name just because of its location um and beach volleyball kind of thrives out there yeah, I mean, Stetson, right? Stetson's got the, the biggest upset in NCAA Beach history, being an eight seed over a one seed. Uh, was that 2018, maybe, when yeah. they took down Southern Cal? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Florida State, right? They're the only other team to finish second in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, we say all this NCAA-wise. Technically, there was a championship for about four years prior called the AVCA Championship. That was the Wild Wild West. Like, College of Charleston went to an AVCA National Championship. I think North Florida's been. Yeah. Uh, and Pepperdine won at least two of them. Long Beach State. Long Beach State. Matt Ulmer, Matty U over at uh, the University of Oregon took a took a national championship in beach volleyball. So like, but NCAA was since 2016, which I think was the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been USC, USC, UCLA, UCLA, USC, USC, USC. And for those of you that are wondering why I missed a year, we didn't hold one in 2020, so that's why there was no champion there. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I think that excitement that a big-time premier program is going to come in, they're going to make good moves, and it's it's good coaching carousel that's going to happen. 
it, it's not the the firing then rehiring stuff. It's positions are opening up. There there's going to be more resources, more availability to teams to be able to present opportunities to coaches, to players. Um, I think one of the biggest things with part of uh, the new NCAA rules of increasing uh, coaching staff members, as soon as uh, schools jump on board with this, I think you're, you're going to see rosters grow throughout the country because they're, they're more availability to coach more people and have more competitive nature in their own teams during practices, being able to make more switches during matches because, I mean, for those that don't know anything about beach volleyball that are listening to this, um, you, you have t- five pairings, two people per pairing. And so if you have a team of 15, you have five players that will never play. If you have a team of 20, now you have 10 people that aren't going to play during that match. But you can switch people in and out. You can move people up and down in your lineup. And I think having that availability to move people, move your lineups, that's going to that's gonna create some new matchups. Um, and I, I'm really excited about this move. And I, I think it's going to be good for the entire game. Yeah. And if there's any uh, aspiring or young beach coaches kind of on the call that want to uh, or on the podcast that want to apply for jobs, right, off the top of my head, I know Tulane needs an assistant. I know Coastal Carolina needs an assistant. Central Arkansas is hiring. Um, UC Davis is hiring. Arizona State is looking for a head coach. UCLA is looking for a head coach. Texas is posted for beach at below the D beach assistant, I should say, for Steino. Um, below the D1 level, right? I think it's LaGrange College needs a head indoor and head beach coach. State College of Florida is hiring somebody to run both programs. Like, the jobs are out there. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get into it, right, and strike while the iron's hot, right? There's a chance um, for, for many things to, to kind of open up and continue to move. And, and who knows who's going to go, you know, who's going to take over at UCLA? I would, I would imagine Triple J, Jenny Jordan Johnson, the um, she's been the associate head there, coach there for. She might be a good pick. Yeah, yes. Jenny's been the associate head for I think two or three years, um, but she's been the assistant there since Stein took over. I think seven, six or seven years ago. She's an alum. Uh, she's a silver medalist at World Championships. So I think I don't want to say it's a done deal, but like <laughs> that should be Triple J's job if she wants it. Um. But, you know, there's there's going to be movement. There's going to be things that are happening. And so, and with that, now, there's also a ton of programs getting added um, th- from D3 all the way up to D1. And I, I don't foresee that ever stopping in the next five years. I think more and more programs add beach volleyball. And it might start um, with an indoor and a beach team kind of combined. Uh, but I, I've seen a lot of success in that, too. I, I watched very closely Tennessee Tech this year. Um, Zach's a good friend of mine and just watching how he transitioned over to the beach game and seeing the energy and just the the good vibes they were putting out at Tennessee Tech. They did an amazing job with their social media too. Um, And just kind of seeing that that awesome energy around the game that they're presenting as indoor players and as an indoor coach and then hearing him talk and he's he's really involved in the beach game now too. And that's something that this game does. It kind of sucks you in. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of good things going on. And um, that's that's the college beach volleyball scene. Uh, we also have 
a big tournament that just happened out at Huntington Beach where uh, we had a couple good good games for the championship match. Colin, you want to speak on those a little bit? Yeah, um, I mean, on the guys' side, uh, big fans of, of the two dudes that, that took the dub, Miles Partain and, and Andy Benish. Uh, Miles and I were, uh, were practice player partners together for the national team uh, for a little bit when he was just a junior or senior in college, or high school, junior or senior. He's 21 right now. Uh, he won his second AVP this weekend with Andy Benish, who's another great dude. I had uh, worked with him at P1440 when they first kicked off, and then I've just kind of kept up and gotten to know him over the last, gosh, five years now. Uh, but they took a huge win over over Tri Triborn and and Came Shalk, yeah. who are a well established team on the the international tour as well as the AVP. They took the dub in New Orleans uh, a couple, you know, maybe a month ago. But anyway, it's a really awesome win uh, collegiately, right? Hopefully a big push for players to come out to the beach. I mean, Miles actually was the MPSF, which is the men's indoor conference on the West Coast, essentially. Uh, it's like UCLA, USC, uh, UC Santa Barbara, Hawaii's in that, right? Instead of like yeah, Big they're West. they're in the Big West now, actually. The Big West. Oh, Big West got their own conference? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, so maybe Irvine. Is Concordia Irvine in there? UC yes. Irvine? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, MPS Step is one of like four or five men's mm -hmm. conferences. Um, Miles was the player of the year in one of the better conferences at UCLA, who won the men's indoor championship this year mm -hmm. and actually made the jump to beach to hopefully qualify for the Paris Olympics in 24. And then Andy, he was a middle at Southern Cal. Yeah. I actually uh, remember scouting Andy when I was at Penn state, he was at Southern Cal 2015. It was when Mark, Micah Christensen and, you know, they had some big names on that team and we went out to USC and played them. And I remember scouting, um, Andy and just seeing his ability to jump and that has not left him when he went out to the sand. He, he's able to get up pretty high still. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, Andy definitely jumps. Well, I mean, he's like what? Six, eight, six, probably. nine, I think. Yeah. And yeah, he's a big dude. Um, but anyway, he's a baller on the indoor court and I think it took him, I don't know, maybe a year out in Switzerland before he decided to, to come over to the beach full time, played with Adam Roberts, the, the mayor of Myrtle beach. Um, but anyway, so they took a win in Huntington. It's both their second AVP win. Um, on the women's side, uh, some familiar names if you've been around College Beach Volleyball, Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clays. They were the ones pair at the University of Southern California. They only played together, I think, gosh, three three years maybe yeah. at USC. Um, but they won 103 straight college matches. Three national uh, championships. Three national championships, yeah. They had to be... 16, 17, and, and 18. And then they jumped right on tour. I remember the best part was uh, of their college career was definitely in between their junior and senior year. They played on the AVP, and they played at the San Francisco Open. In the finals of the San Francisco Open, they take on April Ross and Kerry Walsh Jennings uh, right after their Olympic, right after their probably Olympic bronze Maybe it was between 16 and 17. It doesn't matter. Either way, before between two years of their college, they're playing these two grown adults, right? Carrie Walsh has three gold medals under her belt at this point, and, and April's a silver medalist and now a bronze medalist. And uh, they played them in the finals, these two you know, 19, 20-year-old kids, essentially. And they broke up for a little bit. You know, Kelly Clay went to the Olympics 
in 2021 for Tokyo with Sarah Sponsel, uh, a UCLA Bruin, and then kind of got the got the band back together um, this last year with with Sarah Hughes and and they seem to be off to a hot start. You know they've won a couple of FIVB tournaments and now obviously the Huntington Beach Open. And then on the other side of that game with uh, Betsy Flint and then Julia Scholes, um, those two to go back to your point about those indoor players coming out. I mean, Julia played at UNC. Uh, yeah, she was for, one year indoor, I think. For indoor at UNC, at UNC before Hawaii. coming out to Hawaii and starting her beach. And then Betsy, she was LMU. She played both indoor and beach there. And so, yeah, I think she started the beach program at LMU. Um, and then she was actually LMU's assistant coach for the like, three years, I think, with John. John would coach her on the ABP tour, and then she would coach with him um, up until she just had a baby not too long ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And so that's when she kind of stepped away from coaching. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of college ties, right? And it's, yeah. that's where we're seeing the game going. I mean, Sarah and Kelly on the FIVB tour, I think have played the, they've done like an America, America final or an America, America semifinal three or four times yeah. in maybe six FIVB tournaments. And it's always against um, Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth who Kristen and Taryn are, are out of LSU um, college beach wise. Taryn did a little bit of, did a little bit of indoor over at uh, Creighton university um, before going over to beach, but like the college game's growing and getting bigger on the guy's side, you know, yeah. Miles didn't get to play college beach, but he played college indoor and he came out at a younger age. And I think we're going to continue to see guys kind of go that way. I mean, Aiden Keeter out at Weber international is a guy to look for sooner rather than later on the uh, on the men's beach side so like i think it's it's just good for our game to see young people win i mean those two combined we've got 25 25 i think andy's 26 and then miles is 21 yeah. like i don't know about you but the last four or five years of the avp we've watched you know phil, phil obviously phil the greatest of all time but like dude's 43 now right <laughs> we've watched I watched John Hyden win one at 48, 49, <laughs> Ryan Doherty at 45. Like for the last like five or six years, I've been watching people who have been doing it for a long time. You know, April and Alex are, were in their thirties. Um, and not that there's nothing to be said for that, but I think it's fun for our game to watch the young squad come in and take people down. Right. Absolutely. And semifinal was Hughes Clay's or Hughes Chang. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck in 2020 when, Kelly wasn't married, but um, Hughes Chang played uh, Sarah Sponsel and Therese Cannon in the semifinals. Yeah. That's like, that's nobody there's over 26 years old. And that's awesome. That's great for our game. I think you also see a lot of different strategies being added by these younger, newer players with jump setting, with the quicker offenses. It's so much harder to prepare for defensively. And I think that's a really exciting thing to watch when you're, I'm watching these pros play. Yeah. Both winners, big fans of the option, right? If, uh, if Hughes is getting served, Chang loves to go over on two. They kind of run a little wider, like pass Kelly almost to the left pin. And then she either shoots it out with her hands or she'll give a little pokey. She's really good at kind of like slapping balls down. And then miles and Andy have implemented the, uh, the Swedish jump set. Which, you know, I'll, I'll say it's the sweetest jump set because Oman and Helvig have been doing it. But I'm pretty sure Sarah Sponsel started that in the U.S., right? She <laughs> she jumped up for one and, and dished the sauce. 
um obviously natural for miles right he's coming from the he's coming into zone like three uh two three and he's he's jump setting which is what he did on the indoor court anyway nope. but now he gets to uh now he gets to bang away a little bit more no yeah, I, I think i think that's good and i don't i want you to say anything more because this is only our first episode and i don't want to make anyone mad out there by accusing someone of starting the jump set or not but <laughs> as 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 we get going, we'll, we'll definitely get into more of that. Um, but what do you got coming up on your slate? Uh, what, what do you see in the near future on your calendar? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this weekend, I'm headed to San Antonio for a little Beach Nation, and then uh, there's a showcase, I think, and and clinic at two ten. Um, and then next next weekend, kind of starts a little indoor kick for me, where I do a bunch of college indoor camps. I hit. Houston Juniors, uh, Austin Juniors, Alamo, and uh, Roots, I think is where I'm going the week after. And that's back to the beach shortly thereafter. Yeah. What about you? Where are you off to? Are you hanging out this weekend? Are we? I'm not hanging out this weekend. I'm going out on the road finally for the beach game. Um, I'm going to uh, Orlando, Tavares, Florida. Uh, we're going to go out to Beach Prospects Camp. Uh, they have a clinic and a tournament going on there that I will be at. Um, and then from there, we're, we're going to be hosting some camps here at ULM, still working on that LLC to get those camps set up. Um, but we got a nice, fun, busy summer of recruiting and stuff. And uh, with, with that also, I mean, you still got your AVP dates. You got your Beach Pro dates. Um, AVP, uh, they're going up to Virginia here June 9th and 11th through 11th. Uh, they go out to Denver june 30th to the 2nd of july i believe and then is that the uh, island? You know. i do not know exactly where that is I, I know it's in denver um if it's at the island that's so sick i, I was just out there a couple weeks ago and they've got like a they've got two courts that they call like the pit and so you're on these big concrete blocks and then you're like looking down into a couple of beach courts they held i think they held an open yeah they i think they held an open or maybe a tour series there um, not too long ago, I hear this year Denver is a little bit smaller. It's not quite the same size, but it should still be fun. And then, yeah, Hermosa, I think you're about to talk about July 7th through the 9th. Um, that's also like paired up with AVP Junior Nationals, right? So it's like that, a that will be a fun one. Yeah, Lots this weekend on the on the FIVB, the Beach Pro Tour, right? We got a Strava, so if you got VB TV, you can pretty much watch Beach Five on nonstop from. Uh, let me see. They start six hours ahead of us, so I think you can start at like five a.m. Uh, five a.m. Eastern time, and then pretty much roll until let's say they end around eight or nine, so two p.m. Um, so if you're an early riser, go check out Estrada. If they're holding it at the same place, it's this really sick venue with like it's like an old industrial field, and so there's like all around them. It almost looks like. Did you ever play Modern Warfare Two on Call of Duty? I have. Yeah, like you know the map Rust. Yeah, yep. It's like there's like two beach courts on Rust. That is hilarious. It's it's so sick though. Um, big Czech Republic fan, and then the prettiest international beach tournament in the world is uh, Stad, uh, spelled G S T A A D. In case you're wondering, but yeah, Stad. I would not have pronounced that correctly. Yeah, everybody goes like Gestad, right? That's like the, but it's just Stad, and uh, it is picturesque like even if you don't want to watch the tournament google the city it's in switzerland 
it's like the most beautiful place. Everybody on tour on the FIVB says like that's the best place to play, um, just for how beautiful it is. And when you win, you win a cowbell. So best places to get a cowbell are either in Stad or Starkville, Mississippi. <laughs> Those are two options for cowbells. That is great, but um, yeah, those those are upcoming dates and uh, first episode. Uh, can't wait to do some more with you, and uh, I think this will be really, really fun moving forward. Yeah, dude. Glad you're the one editing it because I think we definitely went over our time there. Yeah, yep, but we'll be good. All right, man. We will see you later. All right, thanks, Michael.